First, I would like to congratulate all of you for finding seats here in this church. This is a, I know, a bit of a maze, so first we've got the first part over with, so congratulations. For communion, as you might imagine, things might get a little complicated because you can't, those who are on the outside of the aisle can't just charge the yarn. So in order to prevent that, what we're going to do is if you're on the outside of, this, of, the, of the main aisle right here, if you're seated there, seated there, just go to the back to receive communion. If you're on the inside, just it's the same song and dance as usual. Just come inside and just circle around. So that's how we're going to do it. It's going to be, I mean, at the end of the day, communion chaos is just fine. It's not a, it's, that is not a, a problem. Every other country has communion chaos. The priest comes down and he just gets swarmed with people wanting communion. That is a very Catholic thing. Only in America are we so orderly and observed as to make a straight line. So I'm indifferent. If y'all just want to swarm me afterward, hey, so be it. Y'all love Jesus. Y'all are expressing it. That's cool. But if, if we want to continue to maintain our valuable tradition of, of forming a line, like I said, if you're on the outside, just kind of go around back, and then we'll, we'll, it'll, it'll, it'll work out somehow. So back whenever I was, I think I was a junior in high school at the time at, at Lafayette High, I met this guy. He was in my gym class. And he was kind of, he kind of came in in the middle of the year, he kind of was a, a, a misfit, and so like, you know, I would, had a kind of tender heart, so like, you know, I would always reach out to these guys and end up talking to them, and, and I remember asking him, like, I, was, I don't know what, how this came up, but I remember asking him what his faith was. Like I said, I don't remember what, how this, how this came in, com- in conversation, but he said that he was a Muslim. I was kind of surprised by that. I never, I'd read about Muslims. I'd heard about Muslims. I mean, you know, this was, you know, we took a world history course and whenever I was a, a freshman and they, that talked about the Islamic religion, but I'd never actually met a real Muslim. And so we, we ended up actually kind of becoming friends and, and, and talking with one another. And at one point, just kind of talking about, you know, because I wanted to learn a little bit more about this, about why he, he chose the Islamic faith because he was a Christian uh, you know what, what, what was kind of behind that, and at one point he said, "Can you explain the Trinity to me?" You know, because that's an easy thing, right? But he, you know, he, can you explain this? Because I never understood it, and I remember kind of being at a loss for words. I kind of made something up, but I'll, I'll never forget. It. Just kind of that was one of those moments where I probably could have done a lot of good, but I just didn't have the tools to effectively answer his question. I couldn't really explain the Trinity. Now, granted, nobody can explain the Trinity. The, the Trinity is a great mystery. Three in one, God is, God is three persons, but one God. Three different hypostasis, but one nature. I mean, it is an incredibly complex, mind-blowing thing that we will never, ever be able to understand. It's a mystery, a complete and total mystery. The best way to describe the Trinity is it's like the sun, all right? The sun shines bright as can be, but you can't look at it because you'll never, you'll never get a clear vision of it. You'll burn your eyes out. It's just so bright. But the brightness, the bright rays of the sun in all of its mystery and all of its glory illuminate the rest of the world. It reveals to us how the rest of creation is made. As opposed to the moon where you can look at it, you can isolate it, you can't explain it, but it doesn't emit any light on its own. If you will, that's, the moon is a dead pagan god. The sun is a live Trinitarian god. But let's get a little bit deeper into this. What exactly is the Trinity? What is it? Can we define the Trinity? And the best way to say and describe the Trinity is this. It is a revealed truth that there is one God 
and three persons. One God, three persons. Those persons' names are Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Each person is God. Each person is God. So the Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. It's not like the Holy Spirit is only a part of God. No, the Holy Spirit is entirely God. The Son is entirely God and the Father is entirely God. But what's interesting is, even though each of these persons are distinct, the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Father, the Holy Spirit is not the Father, the Holy Spirit is not the Son, they're distinct persons, they're all in each other. They are all, the, the, the Father is never without the Son of the Holy Spirit. The Son, Jesus, is never without his Father or the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is never without Jesus or the Father. They are all, they're always united wherever they go, even though they might act in certain different functions. Like right now, we're living in the age of the Holy Spirit. They are always in each other. They are not a part of each other. Also, they're not like, it's not like a, uh, uh, it's not like a, a dice cube, all right? It's not like there's just, there's one God and there's just like a side of, one side of God is the Father and one side of God is the Son and one side of God is the Holy Spirit. That's, that's, uh, what's the word for that? That's Sabalianism or something, some, other, some heresy like that. There's modalism, excuse me, modalism, where you basically just describe that God is just kind of like, that the persons are just kind of a face of God. That's not what it is. So that's basically what the Trinity is. I know, very simple, right? Revealed truth that there is one God, three persons. One God, three persons. Now, the question that then becomes, for those, all you theologians out there, is how is this possible? How do you have one God, but three persons making it up, whenever the three persons are not the parts of God, whenever each person is completely God, how does that make any sense? And the answer is, it makes sense whenever we get away from bodies. In the physical world, it'll never make sense. You can't think of it in terms of the physical world. You got to think it in terms of the spiritual world. And the best way to demonstrate that is the mind. Is the mind. See, within the mind, we have three things going on. Our memory, our understanding, and our will. Memory, understanding, and will. Which means that the mind has kind of three distinct functions. But whenever we use the memory, what are we using? We're using our mind. Whenever we use our will, what are we using? We're using our mind. Whenever we, use, whenever we understand, we're using our mind. Whenever the Son acts, God acts. Whenever the Father acts, God acts. Whenever the Holy Spirit acts, God acts. This makes sense on a spiritual plane. You know, it's the same thing. So whenever one function is being used, the whole mind, if you will, is being used. But here's the interesting thing. Although the memory is distinct from understanding, understanding is distinct from the memory, and the will is distinct from those other two, you can't have one without the other two. If you're going to use your memory, you need to use your understanding and your will. Your will has to move your, your understanding to consider and, and think about the memories that you have. 
If you're going to use understanding, you need your memory and you need your will. If you're going to use your will, you need understanding and you need your memory. So it's the same thing with the Trinity. All three of those functions are always together no matter which is being used. In other words, you can't have one without the other. And each part of them makes up the mind. One mind, three, as you can't call them persons, but three functions, if you will. All metaphors ultimately fall short, but what I like about the mind image is it kind of shows the unity that we have and the unity that can, be, that can exist between the persons of the Trinity. It's something that we often forget. How can you have three persons and yet be unified? Well, you've got to remember that these are spiritual persons, which means the laws of physics don't necessarily apply to them. There could be a unification between the two persons, between the three persons, that, does, that you cannot see in the physical world whenever it comes to matter. Which leads to the third point. Why does this matter? Why is it the church has chosen to celebrate Trinity Sunday, which a lot of priests also call Heresy Sunday, because this is usually whenever all the heresies end up coming out. Why is it that the church chooses to celebrate this? And there's really two main reasons why we are a people of the Trinity. Reason number one, you can't say God is love if he is not a Trinity. You can't do it. If God is by himself, one person up in the sky, you can say he loves. You can maybe say that. But you can't say he is love. Because who's he loving? Himself? That's sinful and that's strange. Alright? But if you have a trinity of persons, you can say God is love because the Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. And proceeding out of them is the Holy Spirit who is love, who brings the two together, who, who basically surrounds the whole trinity in love. God is love. God is love. That, that, that simple line which we take for, for truth, we take it as just as almost for granted can only exist in a trinity. It cannot exist if God is a single person up in the sky. But the next thing, the thing that we, that, that we often forget, is that if God were a single soul higher power in the sky, then God would have no space or room for us. What that would mean is if we would go to heaven and all it would be would just be another level of earth. We would never be able to say we are in communion with God. But if God becomes a trinity, then one could argue that God, and we say this reverently, is a society. That God is a society. Which means that whenever we go to heaven, and whenever we practice our faith on earth, we become members of that society. We become members of his existence. We become persons in the Trinity. Not persons of the Trinity, that's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but persons inside of it. Why? Because we are in communion with him. So my dear friends, if you're ever speaking with a Muslim or speaking with somebody who doesn't fully understand what this whole Trinity thing is, just say it's simple. 
There's one God, three persons, just like the mind has the memory, the will, and the understanding. And because of those three persons, God is, if you will, a society that is dying to welcome us in, to dwell with him for the rest of eternity. Because he is love.